God's peace. The first hymn this morning is hymn 389, I Heard the Voice of Jesus Say. Let us begin our service in the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Ghost. Amen. Our scripture reading is found in Psalm 50, and we'll be reading verses 1 to 6. And we read in the name of Jesus. That's Psalm 50, verses 1 to 6. The mighty God, even the Lord, hath spoken, and called the earth from the rising of the sun unto the going down thereof. Out of Zion, the perfection of beauty, God hath shined. Our God shall come and shall not keep silence. A fire shall devour before him, and it shall be very tempestuous round about him. He shall call to the heavens from above and to the earth, that he may judge his people. Gather my saints together unto me, those that have made a covenant with me by sacrifice. And the heavens shall declare his righteousness, for God is judge himself. Selah. Let us pray. Almighty God, we come before you thankful for the gift that you have given us of your word that you've granted to us the enlightenment to read it, to hear it, to understand it. We also pray that you would give us the grace to obey it. Dear Father in heaven, we thank you for the fellowship that you give us as your children. And we pray for those who aren't able to be here this morning to join in that, those who are confined to their homes, to hospitals, or to nursing homes. And we pray that you would bless them with fellowship this week. We also pray that you would bless us as we gather together today. We pray, Lord, for those who are on our prayer list, for those who are ailing. Remember Jamie Aho, Andy Thunberg, Al Hapasari, Lois Weary, Deb Mersu, Don and Bev Hagel, Linda Robbins, Steve Salo, Evan Candle, Barb Lund, Janet Blickenstaff, Deb Thunberg, Dean Walter, Ron Wallace, Ames and Jacqueline Bruin, Eugene Koskala, Don and Vice Salo. We ask, Lord, for your, your help in time of need. We pray, Lord, for those who mourn the loss of loved ones. We pray that you would comfort us in our grief, that 
casting all our cares on you, we would know the consolation of your love. We pray for our nation. We ask your blessing upon our leaders. We pray that your, your guiding hand. We ask that you would protect those who protect us, our police officers, and those who serve in the military, firefighters, all those who put themselves in harm's way for us. We pray for those who are suffering as a result of violence, and we ask that you would bring an end to it. We pray, Lord, for your word as it is proclaimed. We pray that missionaries would be provided for. We pray that the pulpits of churches, the name of Jesus would be lifted up, that repentance and the forgiveness of sins would be proclaimed in his name. We pray for our community here in New York Mills. We ask your blessing upon it, upon our local leaders. We ask that you would give us the grace to be a blessing to it, that you would bring before us those who are in need of your care, and that you would work through us to care for them. We pray, Lord, for those who are suffering from mental illness, from abuse, all those hard things that are difficult for people to talk about. We pray, Lord, that you would, you would bring healing and help, and people who need someone to talk to, that you would give them the grace to find someone to talk to. We lift up this service into your fatherly care, praying that in your mercy you would hear all our prayers. In Jesus' name, amen. Now hear us, Father, as together we pray that most perfect prayer, saying, Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done, on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our trespasses, as we forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom, and the power, and the glory, forever and ever. Amen. In 334, Jesus, Savior, pilot me.
bring you greetings of grace, mercy, and peace from God our Father and from our Lord Jesus Christ. Amen. Our sermon text is found in Mark chapter 9, and we'll be starting at verse 2 and reading on to verse 9. That's Mark chapter 9, verses 2 to 9. And we read in the name of Jesus. And after six days, Jesus taketh with him Peter and James and John, and leadeth them up into an high mountain, apart by themselves. And he was transfigured before them. And his raiment became shining, exceeding white as snow, so as no fuller on earth can white them. And there appeared unto them Elijah with Moses, and they were talking with Jesus. And Peter answered and said to Jesus, Master, it is good for us to be here, and let us make three tabernacles one for thee, and one for Moses, and one for Elijah. For he wist not what to say, for they were sore afraid. And there was a cloud that overshadowed them, and a voice came out of the cloud, saying, This is my beloved Son, hear him. And suddenly, when they had looked round about, they saw no man any more, save Jesus only with themselves. And as they came down from the mountain, he charged them that they should tell no man what they had seen till the Son of Man were risen from the dead. Amen. Let us bow our heads in a word of prayer. Almighty God, we thank you for this, your word. We pray, sanctify us in the truth. Your word is truth. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Before our text... Jesus had a discussion with his disciples. He asked them two questions, the first one being, who do men say that I am? And when they said, some say John the Baptist, others a prophet, things like that, he said, but who do you say that I am? And Peter answered and said, thou art the Christ. Then Jesus began to teach them that the Son of Man would be arrested and suffer many things and be killed and after three days rise again. And after he was teaching them these things, Peter took him aside, and, or maybe didn't take him aside, but Peter decided to rebuke him, saying he couldn't fathom that Jesus could be arrested and killed. It wasn't what his picture of God looked like. And so, then Jesus rebuked him, saying, Get thee behind me, Satan. Thou savorest not the things of God, but the things that be of men. You see, Peter, though a disciple of Jesus in that moment, was struggling with some idolatry himself. He wasn't looking to the God that had been revealed to him in Scripture, but his idea of God. And so he had to be disabused of his idea of God in favor of what Jesus really was coming to do. He was not coming to overthrow the Romans. He was not coming to deliver Israel from that oppression and be a great political leader like they thought he was. But in fact, he was coming to save them from their sins. In order to accomplish that, it was necessary that he be arrested. It was necessary that he be killed. But it was also necessary that he rise from the dead. And I can't help but read this transfiguration account with that in mind because you can tell Peter still doesn't quite get it. He doesn't quite understand. He's overcome by this awe-inspiring miracle, but he's kind of missing the whole point. So what happens? He takes Peter, James, and John up to this mountain, and he begins to pray. And as he prays, his heavenly glory You could almost say it it begins to show a small portion of it, just a small bit. He begins to shine. His clothing becomes bright white. And then Moses and Elijah appear, and they begin to talk to him. 
In Luke's account, we hear what they talk about, his decease, his exodus, which he should accomplish at Jerusalem. The cross, our salvation. And the disciples, at some point, when this conversation is happening, they fall asleep. And then they wake up, and you can kind of imagining one of them waking up first and the other ones waking up, and Peter says, Lord, it's good that we're here. Let's make three tabernacles, one for you, one for Moses, and one for Elijah, because he wants to stay there and worship them. And then God speaks from heaven and says, This is my beloved son, hear ye him. Or this is my beloved son in whom I am well pleased. Hear him. He doesn't say the in whom I am well pleased part. I was remembering that from somewhere else. But regardless, he says, listen to him. You see, Peter's still struggling with this. Because there is a miracle that's happening on this Mount of Transfiguration. But really, it's, it's perhaps showing one of the greatest miracles of all. And that's that God became a man. That's that this Jesus, who is so radiant in majesty and glory, could come to this earth and live in this world and conceal his glory. You see, it's not much of a... It shouldn't be a shock to us that on the mountain of transfiguration, Jesus begins to shine and become radiant. The more shocking thing is that he conceals that. That he goes about his ministry holding that back. Imagine how it would have gone for him had he not done that. When he comes to Nazareth and reads from the scroll, and they say, wait, isn't this Mary and Joseph's boy? Don't we know them? Imagine then if he showed them his glory. What would they have done? Would they have tried to kill him? Probably not. They would have worshipped him. I mean, there are countless times we can see in his ministry where it would be appropriate for him to let people see this glory. But instead, he holds it back. And he does speak of glorifying himself. When the Son of Man comes in his glory is when he comes to the cross. That's what Moses and Elijah are talking about. Christ on his throne. But let's think about Peter. Peter wants to stay there. He likes this display that Jesus is giving him. Missing that picture. And so he wants to stay. And so he wants to build some tabernacles or tents. He wants to build some places that they can dwell up there. But if I were to tell you when I started this sermon that we were going to be talking about um, something that happened on a mountain that involved the tabernacles, that involved Moses and Elijah, what part of the scripture would you think I was talking about? You got Moses, Elijah... A mountain, God speaking, tabernacles. We'd think the Old Testament, right? And we would be right. That happened in the Old Testament. And it's no accident then that Jesus goes on to this mountain on this day. Because what we have is we have Moses and Elijah, the, the, the giver of the, the one who God gave the law through, and the prophet, the one who spoke God's word to the people, Elijah. Here we have this whole witness of the Holy Scriptures. This whole witness. God pointing forward. Talking about Jesus on the cross. You see, when people don't understand the Old Testament, it's because they don't hear Jesus. They don't listen to him. They don't see what's happening on this mountain. You have Moses and Elijah talking about his exodus that he will accomplish in Jerusalem. And see, the Jews had missed the whole entire boat, and I think we do too, when we don't understand that that's what was happening throughout the whole Old Testament. The whole Old Testament was pointing to Jesus on the cross, was pointing to his exodus that he would accomplish in Jerusalem, where he would purchase and win us from sin, death, and the devil. Because you and I, were not different from Peter. We have our own false notions of what we think God ought to be doing in this world at this moment. We have his, our own ideas of where his glory should be shining. We 
have our own idolatrous thoughts and intents, and God forgive us. They rear their ugly head throughout our lives. There are many times where we need to put our foot in our mouth, just like Peter did here. You can't have, Peter can't have thought this was that great of an idea when God speaks. You know, how would it be for us if we were having our annual meeting and you mustered up the courage to give an opinion and all of a sudden we hear a voice from heaven saying, this is my beloved son, listen to him. In other words, your idea is not very good. And what is Jesus talking about? Well, Jesus had just told Peter, son of man's going to be arrested. He's going to suffer many things and he's going to die, but after three days he's going to rise. And Peter rebuked him. You savoreth not the things that be of God, but the things that be of men. And yet here on the mountain, he still doesn't get it. He's still thinking, not listening. How often do we not listen? How often are our hearts, our minds locked on the things that be of men? Our benefit, what we want. But God disabuses us of that notion. And Peter eventually gets it. You know how I know Peter gets it? It was one of the coolest places in all of Scripture, I think, when you read this account and then turn to 2 Peter. You see, Peter wrote us an epistle. And it's really cool. Let me read it for you. It's 2 Peter. It's 2 Peter um, chapter 1, verse 16. He says, listen, For we have not followed cunningly devised fables when we made unto, known unto you the power and coming of our Lord Jesus Christ, but were eyewitnesses of his majesty, for he received from God the Father honor and glory when there came such a voice to him from the excellent glory. This is my beloved Son, in whom I am well pleased. And this voice which came from heaven we heard when we were with him in the holy mount. We also have a more sure, sure word of prophecy, whereunto you, ye do well that ye take heed, as unto a light that shineth in a dark place until the day dawn, and the dark day star arise in your hearts. Knowing this first, that no prophecy of the scripture is of any private interpretation, for the prophecy came not in old time by the will of man, but holy men of God spake as they were moved by the Holy Ghost. So how do we know that Peter understands what that moment was all about? How do we know that he eventually got it? Well, what did he say? He said, we don't follow cunningly devised fables. We, we haven't crafted this narrative for you. To trick you, to deceive you. But we were witnesses of his majesty. We saw him. We saw him shining like the sun. And he speaks of that experience and what God did. But notice the takeaway that he has for it. It's not... And so we needed to stay on that mountain. It's not, it's not about reveling in that moment, but it's about something else. Tell me if this sounds like the things that be of men to you. We also have a more sure word of prophecy, whereunto ye do well that ye take heed, as unto a light that shineth in a dark place, until the day dawn and the day star arise in your hearts. So this is kind of an analogy that might be hard for us to understand unless you've ever had to navigate your way through a dark place. Last night I was looking in the garage for a uh, cooler and it was dark. So I turned on my flashlight so I could see. Um, but this Greek word that Peter talks about when he says a light that shines in a dark place you picture a house, you know, picture waking up in the middle of the night or looking, something in, looking for something in your garage when it's dark. You can't see. And so he's, he's giving us this picture of walking through a dark place and needing a light by which to see. 
know, in, in those days, Peter's day, they didn't have phones with flashlights. They'd have to go and light a lamp and then use that lamp and carry it around. But what is the dark place? Naturally, we think of the world, but that's not what Peter's talking about as far as just darkness in this world. Because what does he say about this day star dawning? That's when the sun would come up, and then you don't need to find a light. You can just see because the sun is shining. Where is this star going to shine? Where is the sun going to shine? Is it in this world? No, Peter doesn't stay until the day star shine in this world. He says, until the day dawn and the day star arise in your hearts. You see, Peter gets it. He knows where the darkness is. It's not necessarily out there, is it? For Peter, our heart is a dark place, even as Christians. You might bristle, but be honest. You can agree with the scriptures. You can agree with Jesus when Jesus says, out of the heart comes all evil thoughts, murders. And he gives a good long list of the things that come out of our heart. That's our problem. Our hearts are deceitful and wicked. They are dark places. word that is used to describe dark here in Peter's epistle, another way to, um, uh, to define it would be squalid, which thinks, brings to mind more murkiness, dirtiness, grossness. You know, navigating your way around not only a dark room, but one that's also squalid and dirty and murky. Picture like a, a lake that you're trying to see through when the water's all dark and murky. Terrible. And Peter says that's, that's our heart. And that we need, that there is coming a day when the day star will arise in our hearts. And that means that when Jesus comes back, that light that was on display shining in that mountain will shine even into our hearts. It doesn't mean that his second coming is going to be some spiritual type of thing that's only going to affect our hearts. No, he's really coming. And when he comes, that light is so bright that it will even shine into our hearts. And that light will blast away the murk, the dirt, the darkness. And our hearts will be cleansed. And that problem we have, like Peter, of savoring the things that be of men will go away. But, my friends, this light... We have it, not in the way that it will be when Jesus comes back. It's, it's different, right? But his light still does shine. What does the psalmist say about a light? You know, our theme for the convention. Well, now, I'm, now I'm, it's escaping me, but it had something to do with the light shining. And the psalmist says, thy word is a lamp unto my feet and a light upon my path. And I think you have experienced this. I know I certainly have. When the squalid condition of my heart is rearing its ugly head and I'm lashing out to have the light of God's word revealed to me by his spirit to understand and see that, to repent, and to hear that gospel of forgiveness. That though my heart is dirty and squalid and dark, Christ has washed it clean. Have you ever heard the term, term happy wife, happy life? I've heard it. And I don't think it's very helpful. I mean, we like to make those jokes. But really, it should be um, forgiving wife, happy life. Forgiving husband, happy life. Our relationships in this world are such that we tend to hurt those who we love the most. And the secret to a successful marriage isn't, well, it's not um, a cleverly devised fable. It's just, it's not that you don't ever hurt each other. No, that's kind of a given. But it's that when you do, that there is forgiveness. And that's really the secret to a happy life. You look around this world and you see all sorts of people ruined by anger and bitterness 
and all those things that we bottle up in our heart. Our heart is already a messy place, and we fill it up with all sorts of garbage and bottle it up and hold it in. Forgiveness is the key. Not just forgiving, but being forgiven. Have you ever been forgiven? Have you ever wronged someone and asked them to forgive you? There's no better feeling than hearing those words of absolution. I forgive you. And maybe you're sitting here thinking, I I never have. Well, hear it now. As a minister of the gospel by the command of Christ and in his stead, I declare unto you the entire forgiveness of all of your sins. You can believe them all forgiven in Jesus' name and precious atoning blood. In the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. That is what Peter, James, and John witnessed that night. The heavenly glory of our Lord Jesus Christ. The light that shines in the darkness. And that is what God calls us to continue to show in this world. And really, we should say that is what God continues to reveal in this world through you. It's a weird thing that out of a heart as squalid and dark as yours that that light could shine, but it does. And so today, on this Transfiguration Day, when we meditate on this manifestation, this revealing of Christ to the world, we understand that he's not done. There are many dark, dirty hearts that still need that light to shine. First and foremost being our own, but also all around us. And so in closing, let's hear one more time the lesson that Peter gives us. For we have not followed cunningly devised fables when we made known unto you the power and coming of our Lord Jesus Christ, but were eyewitnesses of his majesty. For he received from God the Father honor and glory when there came such a voice to him from the excellent glory. This is my beloved Son, in whom I am well pleased. And this voice which came from heaven we heard when we were with him in the holy mount. We, also, we have also a more sure word of prophecy, whereunto ye do well, that ye take heed, as unto a light that shineth in a dark place, until the day dawn and the day star arise in your hearts. Be at peace, dear Christian, because that day is coming. In Jesus' name, amen. Let us bow our heads in a word of prayer. Almighty God, we come before you giving you thanks. Thanks for your presence, for your love. Thank you for that you, do, that you don't leave us in the squalid conditions that we so often like to revel and live in. Thankful that you bring us to repentance and faith in you. Continue to nurture and help us, dear Lord. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Now humble your hearts before God and receive the Lord's benediction. The Lord bless you and keep you. The Lord make his face shine upon you and be gracious unto you. The Lord lift up his countenance upon you and give you peace. In the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Ghost. Amen. Hymn 316, There is Power in the Blood.
announcements for this week. Monday night, there's a board meeting here at church, 7 p.m. Wednesday night, Ash Wednesday service at 6.30 p.m. Uh, for the beginning of Lent, there are five more uh, Lent services after that. Supper will be at 5.30 that night. Uh, men's group one will serve coffee following the service. Um, we are still looking for volunteers to sign up to do the meals for those other five Wednesday evenings. Thrivent members, uh, your action choice dollars need to be designated for last year by sometime in March. If you don't do it in time, they will do it for you and do it for uh, their choice of charity. Uh, we received, I think, $500 last month, so a number of you did designate those dollars. Next Sunday, worship service at 10.30, Sunday school at 9.15, and then coffee following our final song.
Holy Spirit.